It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Yes, sir. The championship edition. The championship edition. That's right. It's all champions all the time. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. Rick Boring of Musketeer Report. Uh, let's start with the latest championship, if we will. The UC Bearcats with a 62-61 at Wichita State, uh, clinching the outright championship in the uh, in the American Athletic Conference. And more importantly, we'll touch on this in a little bit, put themselves maybe in a, line to, in a, in a spot to move up a, a seed line. And it was a game in which uh, UC got up early, got down a little bit. Then hold on, up hold 11. on, hold on, hold on. You're not going to complain about I'm getting, them celebrating I'm, I'm a conference get, championship? or I'm getting that. See, all right, you and I had a discussion. Right, before I get into that, you and I had a discussion. I didn't realize that you thought I didn't think conference championships were a big deal. I do. I, I want that to be clear. I, I, think, I, I, I think, think this is you backtracking. No, 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 no. no there I were think, no nets cut down. See, that's, yeah, that, that's what bothered me was the net cutting. I, I think No, I think winning a regular season conference championship is a huge deal. It's a great accomplishment. So if anybody confused that for what I said, no, I thought, I thought the whole cutting of the nets, and especially cutting them a day later or later in the evening is absurd. It's just, it, it's absurd. That, that, that's all. So, but no, yeah. conference championships are, I think there's, I wish more people cared about them because all you care about is how you do in March. That's my seed and, yeah, and right. where are we going? Because that's all we talk about. Yeah. So there you go. I do think they're a big deal. I don't For, like the cutting of the nets. It was a great segment to open last podcast. Well, I, I'm sorry. I just thought it was weak, and I still consider, consider it weak. But what's not weak is UC holding off Wichita State 62-61. Uh, like I said, they were up 11, uh, up one at the half, and, and the second half kind of just was uh, what you thought it was going to be, a grind. I think the fact at least getting off to some level of lead gave you a little comfort in they didn't hit you in the mouth and you couldn't respond to it. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, UC gets up 7-3, to three and then Wichita – gets a lead and then Cincinnati's able to answer that with the 16 to 1 run. Right. Especially the final 7 points of that run were scored by the bench. Um that really I think propelled them to we can come in here and win this game for one and for two it got that place quieted down. It, it t- took some of the frenzy out of that place. Did you know that there was a decibel meter that we got to see 46 ah. times today? One 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 fourteen, I think, was the highest on the decibel meter. I, I know. I listened to I listened to a chunk of the first, almost the whole first half on the radio as I was driving somewhere, and um, uh, both Dan Horde and Terry Nelson talked about how loud it was, and you could hear. hear I mean, it it's that. a small, right? You know, the, the roundhouse. It's right. a you know, um, but just a, a great job to weather the storm in the second half, and uh, they obviously we talked about what they were going to do different defensively. Tell people what they did. The change was they double and at times tripled Shaq Morris, who really, I mean, he handled it well at times as a scorer, but as a facilitator, it really messed up what they were able to do. Turned it over four times. He was not quick in getting the ball out and making Cincinnati pay. Uh, when they center a double or even a triple team, right. he was hesitant. They were able to recover. And that was your coaching suggestion, right? Yeah, shout out to Coach Chad for keeping that under wraps. Correct. Because yeah. he almost let it out he did, on the podcast, the podcast, but he thought better of it. So. Just wanted to let you know, he knows, but he's, he's not telling you. Well, he's, yeah. well, he, he's the one that went to it. He's the one that suggested Actually, to it. Actually, I would have just not switched screens, personally. Mick, obviously, is... A little bit smarter than me. Not a whole lot. Well, I mean, obviously, not just because of the score. I mean, defensively, they were better in this They game. were a lot better. And, uh, if you, and honestly, if Wichita, Wichita banged a bunch of threes 
to get back in at Drink. the end of the first half. Um, what two or three straight trips? I think they banged. Well, three. Yeah, they, they were deep. They only made six, but they got three of them in transition yeah. and two of them that Shaman hit in transition. How do you just let him right. walk into a three with nobody around him? Like that's priority one. That's the one thing he does at the highest level is come down the court in transition and just bang yeah. an uncontested three. They gave him two that were. I mean, well, that helped. What the, the that, hell are you doing? That helped kind of end that sixteen-one run. It yeah. took, took the eleven-point lead back down to one at halftime. Yeah, do that. And then you know the second half, Evans is battling with cramps. Cumberland's battling with cramps. Um, Gary looked like a, a shoulder issue or something when he tried to go up and block that nasty dunk by Rashard Kelly. Um, but ultimately, if you look at the way the game played out, Shamit and Morris got sixteen each. They got theirs. But nobody else from Wichita State, and and that's their strength is their depth. Nobody else really got going for them. I think they had one guy with eight. Fran Camp had four. Kelly had four. McDuffie had five. None of their supporting cast really got going. Um, and that it was just an excellent job by Cincinnati defensively and was able to mask the fact. I mean, the second half, Evans missed three wide open threes to start the second half. Cumberland missed two wide open. Clark missed one wide open. They really, you know, we, we talk about their issues of, of not making shots that very much could have come back and, and bit them because they had an opportunity to be up again 9, 12, 13, 14 points, and they didn't make Wichita State pay for their mistakes, but they were able to, to defensively keep them in check, and that's a team they averaged over 75 at home. They had scored 90 in their 90 plus in their past four games at home. To hold them to 25 in the second half and only 61 for the game, that's your defense stepping up when you needed to step up. Uh, the, the last play, the underneath out of bounds, just I, I'm perplexed at, at what they were trying to do, Wichita. But why wasn't Greg Marshall calling timeouts? Right. He doesn't call timeouts. I'm fine with well, I'm that. Okay. I'm, okay, I'm okay with that part. I'm not a big call timeout guy. What's that? He's called 30 timeouts in 30 games. Okay. I, I don't mind that. I, I, I don't. I'm not a big call timeout guy. Yeah, you and I are both. Like, yeah. And generally, most of those timeouts are just at the end of the half because it's... Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Generally, in second, he doesn't, but he, he it's just but, not what he does. But that's one of those... That's not like a momentum situation. You had the ball out of bounds underneath your own basket. With nine seconds left to win a champion. And to, clearly didn't have anything ready to go. Like... Your, yeah, or your or, goal or, or you have to throw it into your worst creator say, or, or who's or a standstill a shooter and tell him to make a play one-on-one? With a seven-footer challenging? I mean, it was ideal to have the seven-footer on him, honestly. Like, it didn't work out that way. But, like, ideally they had a bad matchup and he's not a guy who's really going to take advantage of it. I have no idea what, what well, the plan the was. Well, that's the Like, he's not going around Nizier Brooks. Yeah. So, instead, you're just shooting... A twenty-four footer with over seven footers. With the seven footers. Yeah. That's. I mean, if you look at the shot, it went way long and almost missed the rim, which could have been a disaster. Right, if it missed it the rim. Been, yeah, but it, you know that. I don't know what they were thinking there. You know, they technically, I guess, they got what they wanted initially with Shamit turning the corner. But Cincinnati did a good job staying connected with him, didn't let him get the edge, and then Clark blocks the shot out of bounds that forces that play. But yeah, I mean. I, some guys, you know how coaches are. They they live and die with this. This is who I am, and this is who he is. He's I don't call timeout no, no, guy, and, and I'm okay with the not. But you got to have a better go. If that's your you best thing, two out of bounds underplay that you haven't used in the game, 
you better go back to the drawing board, boss. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't care if you call a timeout or not necessarily. My whole point was just like run something. Yeah. And you had timeout, so like if you felt, hey, I'm Stop. not sure, yeah. or they're not, I'm not confident they know what this is or whatever. We haven't run this all year. Whatever it is, like call the timeout and set it up if you need to, or call out whatever your best play is. But to basically run nothing there. Yeah. yeah I'll be I honest. mean, it was it was Frank Camp inbounds gets it to I think Kelly. Kelly does the handoff. Clear and, out, and and you get Fran Camp in isolation with Nizier Brooks, but he didn't, he couldn't go anywhere on him, and and Brooks did a good job moving his feet, and and then great job by I haven't seen this talked about much at all. Great job by Jaron Cumberland because as that ball comes off the rim, Wichita State gets the rebound, but Cumberland as the ball's in the air kind of walks the guy underneath the backboard, and he had no angle, angle none to get the ball back uh, on the other side of the backboard, and he just had to throw it into the back of the backboard, and that was the end of the game. So they they were able to grind one out. Not going to lie, I kind of wanted to see Nigier because he had just locked up Fran Camp to get the missed three, and then he just came crashing back from the weak side. He went up to block that shot, and then it hit the bottom of the backboard. I kind of wanted to see him pin that off the backboard. No, he, I mean, he could have, yeah. If yeah. It was, if he he could have got, got it on it. the other side of the backboard, Nizier was there to block no, it. No, can you yeah, imagine that, that as a defensive sweet. stand? I mean, you you you... you you create the, the, the tough the mystery shot and, you, and then go and all the way shot. across yeah. the floor to the other side of the backboard and Holy block the cow. shot. That would have been pretty cool because like that, it's so hard when you're a big man worried about that guard going around you. You start to back up, and he did it initially for a step or two, and then, and he, then he came back out. Like, I got to yeah. push up. I got to push up, and he contested the shot pretty well. It was a good job by him, but man, that getting the block on the back end, that, that would have been ridiculous. Been, yeah. like, for a guy who's had kind of a rough year. He would have gone down... It, like in UC legend, if right. he had if he had contested the that defensive three. stand, yeah. it would have been one of those moments that people never really forget. You know? be, the one man stand, Nizier Brooks takes on Wichita by himself. Wichita State, you are not in the valley anymore. Yeah, um, you do have a great staff from the game though, and this was, this was interesting to me. This it's very interesting, especially to me too. because they won. I'm not a big. We've talked about like I I'll glance at plus minus because I think it's it's interesting, but I don't usually take a whole lot out of it because. There are a million other factors. Sure. UC did not have one starter with the positive plus minus in this game. And Jacob Evans and Gary Clark were their worst. They were minus eight in the game with those two on the floor. Six or no, four of the six bench guys that played had a positive plus minus. And, and that's, we've seen this over the past two weeks or so from this team. The bench is starting to really come on and gain some confidence. Trey Scott has played much better. It was Nizier Brooks today. Keith Williams hit a big three today that was one of those absolute classic no, 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 yes moments. Um, I went out in public, by the way. Yeah, I want to touch on that here in a second. Um, and, and Drink. <laughs> and, you know, Trevor Moore got a, a big rebound in the, in the second or in the first half. That really, I think, was probably the biggest key was keeping Wichita State off the glass. They only had five second chance points for a team that dominates. Yeah offensive rebounding but it just shows that the bench is coming along and and what was I don't want to say a weakness but what wasn't a strength is now starting to become more of something you feel comfortable with when those guys are on the floor to compliment the starters yeah and you mentioned it was, I can't remember it was one of the blowout home victories where the, the minutes were pretty much spread out like 18 19 20 for just about everybody between starters and some of the some of those main bench guys yeah. And it was a night where I think I think Scott got thirteen points, maybe. Uh, it was. Um, it, it was. It was Connecticut, a, maybe. It may be Connecticut, and, yeah. and you know sometimes you go, well, it's just the opponent, but maybe that was the confidence boost that everybody needed to say, listen, we we may need you to do something similar when it matters, and it obviously mattered a well, ton today. Keith Williams had a big game against. Um, 
Tulane. Tulane, yep. And that kind of carried over. He was the first wing For off Tulsa. the bench. No, it was Tulane. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, it's Tulane on Thursday. All right. Um, and that carried over today off the bench. He was the first wing off the bench. And like I said, he hit that three and had a couple rebounds and made a couple nice plays. And, you know, those guys are starting to pick up confidence as we're into March now. And that's that's important because you can't rely on just your main five or six guys to, to do everything. And then, you know, everybody has wanted to see Kane Broom get the minutes today. 28 minutes for Kane Broom, 13 for Justin Jennifer. And Broom started the second half. That's something we haven't seen yet from Mick, where Jennifer started the game, but Broom started the second half and played the first 16 minutes of the second half uninterrupted. That's a long stretch, out. yeah. That's a long stretch. All right, you did go out in public. You went to, uh, went went to, to Mio's. The, Mio's. Um, did you jump around after the win? Did you high-five, or did you just give a polite golf clap? Or um, there, was, there was high-fives. Is he a jumper? You think he's just like a little fist-pump guy? What do you think, Rick? Well, I don't know that you could call what he'd be doing jumping. Well, that's what I'm trying to. Of, no, that's what I'm trying to picture because it, it's not going to go very high. It no, be, yeah. If you don't actually leave the ground, is it considered a jump? Well, it's an attempt. I would, it's an attempt. I would be more of a fist pump guy normally, yeah. but it was a high five environment, so I high fived. Okay, all right. Did what was was there hugging? Um, a little bit. Bro yeah. hugs. The, bro, I, I did. Hugs? I wasn't bro hugging, but there was bro hugging around. All right, that's all right. They're, they're fans. So, so how did you handle? It? Did did did. Did they try to talk to you, the people? No, like it was actually really good because what really gets to me, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, is like you know, you like the the the, the segment, the the four minute war, as Chris Mack calls it, is going on, and you see, will have a play and it won't work or whatever, and then as the ball's being brought down the other way, they turn and they want to talk to me about the yeah, last, yeah, I don't want just to shut up, yeah, but like that. if we can get to the timeout, I don't mind. Like let me put the score and the update on Twitter, and then we can converse for a couple minutes, and that's how it went. Nobody was trying to distract me during the game. Like when the ball was in play, so that was good. What, what, was there a drunk fan that draped his arm around you at some point to to, to to want to talk? Noon game, so we didn't we didn't get to that point really. Okay, I love the focus that's required for him to cover I know, a this game. Is, this is great that's from it? TV. That is this is great. Something else. I, I, I guess when you're an honorary coach, like you got to be a little more locked look, in. Right. Than the well, rest he knew of the us game plan. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I've got to lock in. I could focus see if it's working. So will you do this again? Will you go out in public again? Well, now I, I'm kind of stuck now. Like it's two, two, two huge wins. I'm two and zero. Oh. Screwed up. Well, it's not just two and zero. Oh, two at huge UCLA at the Roundhouse. Yeah. Like, now those, you have no choice. I, I, I think I've got. I've been thinking about this. Oh boy, I think I've gotten out nationally televised. As long CBS. as it's not on CBS, I think I'm okay. So we get True TV in the NCAA tournament. You can get TNT, but, right? TBS. But if but they if lose CB- on TBS because you're not watching it out in public, but see, I'm not. I'm not you. obligated to TBS like they've been on a bunch of other networks that I haven't gone out for yeah this is just true CBS but CBS like and us well, at local 12 we're hoping we will have big road games game as opposed to true TV or TBS or TN yeah it, it, it's not a road game so I guess that could be another loophole but then I would feel really bad if they lost and I wasn't out no, you're you're in a quantum I'm in a quantum yeah no, like, I, I think you have to I think if, you're if it's CBS in. like if, if they if they draw CBS Games Tuesday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday. I think I have to be out for both. I don't. I don't think I have really have a choice. Well, you now. don't want to play on Tuesday. That'd be the playing game or Thursday. Okay. I, mean. Tuesday. I think they're okay on the playing game. Yeah, this year I think they're all right. I think they are. If too. they play Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday on CBS, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to be out. Man, oh man. Well, good luck with that. All right, let's uh, talk about the American. I, oh, what, oh. Yeah, what do you got? I just realized the American Conference semis and finals are on CBS this year. Got to go. So how's that work out? I don't know. Got to go. Well. Finally, you really don't need to, in theory, right? Because they'll have whatever cemented at that We're going to be busy that day. And we'll be busy, yes. But the semis could be a big one. 
No, because they avoided that two three. Like if they would have had to play Houston. Yeah, that's true. But I mean Tulsa. Do I really have to go out for but, UC Tulsa but to help Orlando? The, but to help the seed line, but to help the seed line though, you don't want to lose to Tulsa. Does Coach Chad really want a two seed, or is he content with a three? Right. Yeah. I hate you, jerks. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Um, I, sorry about the American Conference tournament. Uh, UC has to be the team to beat, but but who are maybe two or three other teams that, that you look at? I mean, with the Houston's playing as well as anybody in the conference. And they're on the right other side. With and they're Wichita. on the other side with Wichita. I, I, that could be a, an excellent semifinal, a really really good semifinal on Saturday. Um, other than that, I mean, between the problem is between injury and kind of falling off at the end of the season. I mean, Tulsa's playing pretty well. Um, to get that four seed, you would you would have th- you know been tempted to say Memphis is starting to play well, and then they lose by 30 to South right. Florida. Right. I can't say they're playing well, especially without Jeremiah Martin. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just those. And Maybe Tulsa comes out and gets super hot again like they were. And UC doesn't match uh, it. And UC doesn't match it. Um, you know, maybe that's a problem. But I think with UC having seen them once now, uh, I, I'm not as concerned about that because they know what they can do and they figured out a way in that second half to, to slow them down. Um, it it's, it's, seems like a three-horse race in this conference. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's probably about And, fair. I mean, that, that Houston-Wichita State game is going to be a lot of fun because Houston, in their minds, they're right around, what, six – a six seed or six or seven seed, I'd say. I'd say maybe eight ish. To be honest, with everything you. I've seen has had them six or seven. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Okay. But if they beat Wichita, they sure. could jump and, and make sure that they get out of that seven, ten, eight, nine yes. Yes. range if they can jump up to a six. Right. Um. So that's a big game for them, and Wichita's going to want to make it to the final to not – they could fall to a four or a five. Well, I think they're a four right now. Right. Probably, if, if they were to lose in the semis, probably would fall to a five or at least be in that conversation. So there's going to be a lot at stake in that game, I think. Bracket Matrix has Houston as the number two six seed. Okay, so they are up, up, up that eye. So UC now is probably cemented at, at worst a three. Yeah, I would think so. All right. What would they need to do to get to the two, and how much help might they need? And, and they've got a little bit of help over the weekend, actually. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is they've already the committee's already made it clear that that American Championship game doesn't mean anything. No, we thought about getting to the to the title game though. Yeah, but you're I, not, I, don't, I don't think if you don't, I think if you don't get to the title game, it's going to mean you're going to lose to Tulsa, or even worse, lose in the quarters. And into that stage, that's you're not going to get a two seed if that right. happens anyway. It, get to the finals, I think you're in pretty good. Sp- a pretty good spot. At least to be in the conversation for yeah. it. With- um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Like, North Carolina has 10 losses. I know. And they're going to be a two. And I know it comes down to what their resume says. And they, and they could suffer but easily suffer another but one. at some point to me, like, it's not like North Carolina's resume is devoid of bad losses, right. too. Like, they right. have bad losses. And so- they have 10 that at some point that has to matter to me. It like has to. constantly losing games and also having a couple bad losses should matter. That should impact your resume. If you've got five losses and one of them's a bad loss on a thirty game season, I'm I can okay see being sure. like I'm good with that. Whatever. Whatever. But if you've but got 10, ten like that's a trend at some point losing that many games and you got some bad losses. Yeah. It's not like you have ten because you slipped up in a couple ACC games that were close right. or whatever. They lost to Wofford. Like at, at home. Yeah. I can't, I can't see them being a two seed. I I don't know. I I, I get a uh, 
Michigan State and Cincinnati is going to be an interesting conversation in that room. If Cincinnati gets to the you know the the American Finals, that is going to be a very interesting conversation in that room because Cincinnati's resume is better than Michigan State. Yes, yes, especially now with a win at Wichita and Michigan State going Michigan out. Michigan State losing to Michigan. Michigan yeah. State losing to Michigan like that. Cincinnati's resume is better than Michigan State, but eye test, quote unquote, Michigan State's a better eye test. They just are. In some ways, yes, yeah. and you know you look but, at Miles Bridges and, and Jaron Jackson. But I want to, I want, I, I think that's that's always a part of it. But I, you got the analytics are a huge part of it too, and the numbers are a huge part of it too. And let's let's go by what the resume says. The resume says Cincinnati deserves a better seed than Michigan State. Yes, the resume says Cincinnati deserves a better seed than North Carolina. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yes, for the record, I, yeah, I think no. I think UC should be a two seed, um, and I also I. I just don't really think there's an argument unless the committee is going to be consistent and change up the thinking of we do want to move more towards Ken Palm and eye test and some things, you know, advanced metrics. And even then, I know UC's resume is going to be just as good. Right now, UC's, I think, three in Ken Palm. Right. Um, but for Michigan State, outside of including that, he- factoring that in heavily, there's just no argument for like people were having them as the fourth one seed saying they could still be the fourth one seed. And it's like, how? How could that possibly be? Well, that was before the loss to Michigan, yeah, obviously. And I was one of those that said that. Yeah, if, if you know they won the Big Ten, if they had won the Big Ten tournament, all those things, um, I think they would have gotten to 30 wins. They may be at 30 wins right now, but they're 29-30. Um, I would have made that argument, and I guess it would only be because, and we're going to talk about this in a second, I'm trying to find out who the other number one seed is right now, and all I can do is I know what their history is. I know what their eye test shows me. You give me 30 wins. I know the Big Ten wasn't great. There, there's a part of me that says, all right, you're it by default almost. But not, you know, now, now, no way. No but, that, way. but that's what annoys me is I, I exactly know. what you just said. I know. Is, I know what their history is. I know. That's exactly why yeah, they get I know. the benefit I don't of the give doubt. give a damn I know. what their history yeah, is. That's fair. You're yeah, right. And that just annoys me because it's like, what does that have to do with anything? The only reason Michigan State is getting the benefit of the doubt the way they have been is because of their brand. And, and Izzo. Yeah, because they're well, Is North Carolina getting that too? Is Duke getting yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's go to move to Xavier. Um, they clinched the uh, the outright championship in the uh, in the Big East with the win at, at DePaul. It was not a pretty game. And uh, it was – I think you thought it would be a danger game, and it kind of played out that way. They, it just – it never – it never – it was good. Was, I never felt like they were threatened really, but it never felt comfortable. Until the last shot were to right. tie it. Like, yeah, right. yeah, up until then. I mean, they were threatened certainly in the in those final minutes, but – well, first of all, defensively, they were really good in that game. That was their best – one of their best defensive performances of the year. Luck factor. Um, well, that that lasted throughout the entire game. But again, you see at the in those situations, you can talk about their inability to defend people. But they have a guy like Najee Marshall has really come into his own as a lockdown defender, and it's given him that, against multiple positions. Well, if if the team's got a small point guard that would normally give them problem off the bounce, he'll go lock that down. Got that guy down in an important possession. If it's Max Strews, who's a shooter, who's going to run off a bunch of screens, he'll chase him around those screens and contest his three point attempts. He can lock down whatever position it is for them in those key moments, and that makes them a lot more effective at end of games. That block was incredible. Yeah, the chase down block um, after Xavier got the three-point lead. They then held DePaul without a bucket for two over two minutes, and part of that was a chase down block by him on a breakaway after another Xavier turnover, their 20th of the game, yeah. which was a season high. And that was really the thing. They didn't shoot the ball well. You have to expect that to happen occasionally on the road, and they've been able to overcome that all year. They haven't had to overcome a terrible shooting night 
and 20 turnovers. Um, that led to 19 points for DePaul. So to hold DePaul to 62 points when 19 of them came off of turnovers and most of those 19 were on like easy run-out right. transition looks, um, it was it was an outstanding defensive performance. Yeah, and, and your point, people are th- probably thinking, well, look, at the end of games, and then, then if he's taking point A away, go to point B. But that's just not what you do at the end of games. If you got – You go to point A. You go to point A, right. And it, it, If not, you get Connor Frankham shooting a 20 20- – Five footer over that's, a seven footer. That's that's correct, and and yeah, that's where are they a good defensive team? No, and we've talked about that. But in key moments, if you've got a guy that that can guard multiple spots, take away a, a guy who's a key element, that's such a huge thing. And that's where you go back to, you can look at that luck factor in Ken Palm, and you can look at close wins. Well, again, there's some reasons why you're doing it. You have a weapon offensively that can make that big shot. You have and you the- have a defender who who can take away a big option at the right time. That. that is it luck that they, they, they didn't score down the stretch? Maybe, but it's also Xavier doing their job. And on the flip side, it, the offensive end, they have the guys who make big shots, and right. they have, like, when the game dropped down to one and Xavier had possession and, you know, they're on the road at DePaul and DePaul has all the momentum, Chris Mack draws up a little set play and gets a wide-open layup for J.P. McKeeran. And it's like what a great design. It's simple, but what a great design. You run them off a horn set with two big guys at the, the top of the key. You run them, off, run them off a screen on the first big guy. Defender takes a little bit of a hit. You run them off the screen on the second big Take guy. Second one. And, a, and a great cut by JP that as soon as he curled off that second cut, he went right to the rim. And Fox had a shot of it from kind of like the point guard angle. Yeah. And you could see that instant that like JP flashed. The ball was delivered right to him. It was a great TV shot that like gave the full story of the play unfolding. Great call by Mac, and 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 a lot of times he calls up something where he tricks the defense. He didn't trick the defense. That was just executed perfectly. Well, and but here is the one part of that that's also overlooked. When they go to that elbow series, the horn set, as as you mentioned. They usually are doing that to put Trayvon in position to like step out, get the ball, and maybe it's a little cross screen or whatever, but they're usually putting him in position to get himself a look. And so his man, he's the second screen. His man's staying attached because he's waiting for Trayvon to yeah. pop out and try to catch a three-pointer. So when JP hits that curl, Trayvon's man isn't going to head off yeah. of him. So, I mean, it was just a brilliant design and perfectly executed, like you said. JP comes around kind of nonchalantly, and then as soon as he gets to the Boom. spot, he hits it and... They do that stuff all the time. And it's like when you consistently get yourself wide open threes or wide open layups in crunch time, you're going to be able to win close games. And the they execution. had one that they, they bobbled. The execution. Yeah. That was a wide open. I think the they pass was it. probably a little too hard, thrown a little too hot. For, was it from Najee to. I think it was uh, Najee who threw it. Yeah. Threw it to uh, O'Mara. And it was just a little too hot. But they had another one that he drew up that was a freaking layup in a one, you know, 2.1 possession game. Yeah. Let's move on to the Big East tournament and preview that a little bit. Um, you're going, so that, that that's going to be – it's always great basketball. Um, certainly Villanova and Xavier, the two teams to beat, probably Nova because they've beaten Xavier. But is there a team or two that, that can make a run that, that may be a surprise or um, that, that would worry you? Any, I mean, for Xavier's purposes, anyone, because their first matchup is going to be St. John's or right. Georgetown. I think it's a good matchup for them because – Georgetown doesn't have good point guard play, which doesn't, you know, typically if a team has a really good point guard, that gives Xavier's defense trouble. Georgetown doesn't have that. Xavier matches up better with teams that want to pound it in the post to be physical. At the same time, Georgetown isn't a slow it down team right. pound in the post. They'll run with you, and Xavier loves that. So I think that's a good matchup for them. But on the flip side, St. John's, 
is a matchup nightmare with Shamori Pons, and they'll be playing who in the not, Garden. He did not play over the weekend. Yeah, is he, he going to be back? He's yeah. going to be back. Okay. I mean, he, he, even, what's wrong with him? It was a day to day. I think an abdominal strain I saw or something like that, but. He'll be back in Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament, and like they're a threat because you look at the bracket that they've got, they could pop Xavier potentially. I mean, if they get past Georgetown, they could right. pop Xavier, and then after that, you've got Providence or Creighton in the semifinals. That's a they've got a legit chance to get to the finals. So, um, and we've seen you've seen it in some of these conference tournaments that that one guy who suddenly goes for an average of thirty five, whatever, and he's capable. Of he's doing that, that type of guy. over a four game stretch. Yeah, especially we've seen it in the Big East tournament. Yeah, right, exactly. More, Mac, the Big East tournament, more the, the Jerry than McNamara anywhere. tournament, Kemba Walker, Kemba Jerry Walker, McNamara. Yeah. Like it, the Big East tournament is historic for that. Then I think you have Creighton, a team that still needs to prove itself a little bit and could really improve their seeding with a run to the finals. And they've got Marcus Foster, a, a big time playmaker guard, you know, who hits tough shots too, is is kind of a guy built for the garden and, and MSG magic. So I could see them making a run. And then you get down to the bottom half of the bracket. Obviously Villanova just lost their first biggies title since it reshuffled. Right. So I'm sure they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and Jay Wright will have them ready. Xavier's got their number. Worried about that. <laughs> yeah. They can't. Well, hang on. They can't beat them in Philly, and they can't beat them here. Maybe they can beat them on a neutral. Maybe um, that hasn't gone well for them in the past. No, it's good though, point. By the way, <laughs> um, Butler. I think Villanova is going to beat either DePaul or Marquette without question. But Butler, Seton Hall, again, two teams kind of in the same boat as Creighton, where they're in, but they kind of waned down the stretch and need to improve their seating with a run. So a lot of a. All of these teams have a lot to play for because the Big East didn't finish as strong, you know, as I think that you well, we, thought. Well, we thought seven, right, initially, and it's probably going to be six. Yeah, but we also thought we also thought seven with Xavier and Villanova being top seeds, Seton Hall being a, Correct. a protected seed. Providence being better than what they wound you know, up being. Providence and Marquette and yeah. Butler potentially being like top five or six seeds. All of those guys are now falling, you know, between right. six and 11 playing games, or even Marquette's now um, first four out. So th- there's... It definitely didn't finish quite the way we thought it would, and so I think a lot of these teams have a ton to play for going to MSG. All right. Uh, let's move on to Kentucky, where they, they did not play well, lost big at Florida. I, I thought a lot of that was – and I, I listened to Cal's post game because I was in the car. Um, I had to leave for somewhere, and, and he talked about how he thought they regressed, and, and I, I that, that could be coach speak. I honestly just – I watched the, the most of the first half a chunk of say. I'm just going to tip my cap to Florida making shots. Now, some of that is maybe Kentucky didn't defend great, but there were some tough shots Florida made in that That's game. That's what they do. No, no, I, but no, Florida, Florida, Florida might be – they take more bad shots than anybody in the country, Florida. Yeah. The problem is they've got some dudes that can make really tough shots, and when those guys are on, then they're dangerous. And obviously, in that game, they were dangerous. I mean, there was a time earlier in the season where Florida very much looked like one of the five best teams in the college basketball, if not we were much adamant, better than that. We were adamant that they were one of the elite teams in the country on this podcast. And so I absolutely think they're a team that I would not want to face in the yeah. tournament because of the guard play and the way they can shoot it and get hot. They, they would definitely concern me. And against Kentucky, they looked like that type of team. And yes. that, I mean, again, it's... They have a ton to play for right now. They they fell off, 
They're trying to play their way back into a better seed, and uh, they're starting to look more like the team we saw at the beginning in the non-conference well, portion that's of the schedule. I mean, do, you buy, do you buy Cal believing his team regressed, or do you buy more that, that Florida just played that well, needing something to prove in, a, in their final home game of the season? Kentucky ran into a buzzsaw, right. and, and then they didn't respond well after it. For, they never were able to get back right. into it, but that's part of having young guys in a hostile environment against a group of upperclassmen who... Kicked their butts. Like I mean, that's sort of the response you'll sometimes get. I don't. I don't think it's something to worry about if you're a UK fan because you already knew this team was capable of getting beat by teams like Florida. You know, like yeah. it's, not, it's not like that performance was like, oh, it's shocking. Like it sucks that you got beat so badly, but I don't think it changes how you feel about the last four game winning streak that Kentucky just went on and proved that hey, at least when they play, they at least there is that next level for them to sure. hit, and they can play much better than that. It won't happen every game. They're inconsistent. They're young, but. You've at least seen that it's in them. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think that was him just trying to, to hammer a yeah. point home, and I'm okay well, with that. And you know, you play four really good games in a row, and then you have a letdown. He's going to try to hammer the point home. Sure, that's human nature. Yeah, that's cow. Right, who, if, if that tournament is played fifty times, how many different champions do we have? Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess how many different scenarios do we have play out? Fifth, probably 50. 50. Yeah. There's nothing about that tournament I, that is predictable at all. No. No. I have no clue who the best team in that conference is. I don't either. No idea. I, None. I could get to the championship game and after it's, I, I could see a Texas A&M winning it. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Totally. Yeah. I mean. Auburn could win it. But about the only one Florida I can't give you a puncher's it. chance is Vandy. How about Tennessee? Like, where the hell did this come from? They're solid, man. They don't have a single four or five star on that but roster, but they're solid. Barnes has got them a little team. Yeah, I mean he does. They, they play hard. They're physical. But, it, it, but that's also the team that gets seated high because they deserved it and earned it and, and gets get bounced. Right. Yeah. That happens all the time. So, all right, here we go, Rick. I saved this for the part. NKU WTF. You got to help me. You got to help. You got to help the Norse Nation because it's not a good day in Norse Nation. My daughter texted me last night. She went up with her boyfriend. She's a big NKU basketball fan. Used the term she's brokenhearted. So was Rick. I, I, I know I, that. I tried to I call even, him. He didn't call me back. I didn't even, like, I was going to, like, joke. And I was I like, was I, can't, I, can't, I can't even joke on Twitter with him because I legitimately feel like he's in a bad place right now. I wasn't in a good spot. I can imagine. Mentally. And you were Also, still, I didn't have a working? voice. Were you working last night, too? Yeah. Oh, I was here. Boy. I um. Did you go somewhere afterwards and pound a couple? No. I, that's... How you know where I was? Wow! Yeah, I did. You went home and cried. I mean, alone. More or less. Alone. You went home and sulked alone. Poor little guy. Isn't Saturday like Poor your night. Little, like, don't you go out for Poor Saturday guy. night beers? Yeah. Cleveland State guys lost to Cleveland State in the first round of the Horizon League tournament. I tried to. T- Cleveland State impressed me when they played UC. He just had to do it. Yeah. Hate to do it. Hate to do it, Larry. Just got to do it. Final five minutes, that was a complete – I mean, that's a collapse. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It's a collapse. They, you shouldn't have been in that position. Right. Agree. You had a 15-point lead 10 minutes into the game, and then you just quit playing defense completely. The best team in the Horizon League all year on the defensive end just quit playing defense, 61 points in the second half. As we've learned on this podcast, if you give up 61 points in the it, second it half, ain't good. it's not good. It ain't 65, though, in case you're wondering. But Xavier won that game. That's, that's <laughs> a good call by, by double digits. Against yeah. Seton Hall. Yes, by double digits. That's, that, that's, that's true. Um, is there a blessing in disguise when this comes to John Brandon? So, well, there's that, for one. Um, I, 
John Brandon is still his name is still going to be a hot name for Agreed. other jobs. And I agree. But the tournament, the the two things we've seen in the tournament without question over the last however many decades now is that disproportionately people weight success in the tournament to NBA draft stock and coaching hires. So him making it to the tournament again and maybe giving a, a two-seed two, another yeah, run. Two, two years. Back-to-back years, yeah. In the You're first right. two years that the school's eligible. That's almost one of those things where it's like, you sit, well, here's you, the thing. you have to write your him. check. Right, right, because guess what? You're winning that press conference. You're, 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 right. winning, you're winning selling him as opposed to guy that's, that's on his third job or right. some other assistant. You, you're, you're winning that. You really are. Well, John does. John does. John does have the deep voice, but you're you're winning that yeah. with your fan base. So, yeah, it, like, will basketball people change how they feel about him as a coach? Of course not. But you don't have he that. Have the momentum. You don't have the potential for him to really play himself into a dream job because of another tournament appearance and then maybe success in the tournament. Right, what, what, a what, dream what, job like across the river, nine miles. Who knows. Well, all right, but but let's just say they let's say they make a run to the NIT semis where you've beat a couple of power um, or major conferences. You may beat or beat a couple of teams from major conferences along the way. Then things get really interesting for John. Obviously, he could still create some buzz with success in the NIT. But I'm looking more at. I went to bed last night. Was absolutely miserable. Hated everything about it. Then I woke up. I thought about it more. It still sucks. It sucks because, like, I feel bad for LeVon Holland. Right. As a senior, all he's done, the success this team has had, it's just not right for them to go out kind of embarrassing fashion in the first round of the Horizon League tournament. At the end of the day, had they gotten to, like, the semifinals or the finals, would well, actually, if they I'm, got to the finals and lost to Wright State, I would have been inconsolable. So I'm you glad that didn't You might have jumped in the river. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happier about this than I would have been about that. Could you, you chalk this up to... It just it happens. I mean, that's what you chalk it up to. It sucks. If you look around in the the smaller conferences, this is happening a lot. Yeah, and, and it's happening early, every year in the Horizon League. Early in tournaments, a lot. The where to- the top two seeds in the Horizon Leagues have only won one game over the last three years, and that was Wright State this year. Yeah. Well, and what that shows more than anything is in these smaller leagues, the personnel is is pretty close. Right, for there's the most- not NBA talent yes. in these leagues. Yes. So if you go to sleep for twenty minutes. That that nine seed or that eight seed or whatever can jump up and get you if you're not on top of your game because you don't have exponentially more talent than they do. And Cleveland State, they've had a terrible year, obviously. They were eight and, what, 23 coming Yeah, but that team had a couple dudes that can get buckets. Yeah. And we saw that. And NKU just they didn't answer the challenge. And that's really frustrating. And I'm sure John is pulling his hair out over them – having that type of showing over the past 30 minutes of that game. It also shows you how impressive it, it is to be that consistent to win the league title during the regular season, too, because, you like you mentioned, there's such a thin separation between yeah. the talent on a lot of these teams. Look at why Wright, Wright State didn't win the title. They beat NKU twice. Right. But they had more slip-ups than NKU did. You know, And this wasn't like you – know, when you look at Xavier and Villanova, I think they Vill- probably would have ended up – Tied, but Villanova had the injury issues that they had to, right. to overcome, and Xavier took advantage of that. But this this isn't that case there. Like the Wright State, 
just lost games that you're like, what in the hell I, I, was I, you that? Yeah. When you're taking their seasons on the when their the championships on the line, yeah. and no, Northern no, was fairness. more consistent. Wright State did lose two guys throughout the year yeah. that, and that's not really a huge part of who they were necessarily, but they did lose some athleticism and defense because of those guys. But your point still absolutely stands, and it's it's definitely a different situation compared to like Villanova. Um, the other thing, though, to finish off that thought about looking at where they're at now. Last year, after they won the Horizon League, and it would have been the same thing this year, you win the Horizon League, and as a fan, you're just hoping for 10 good minutes in that first round against a big-time team. Just give me some entertainment, and then I'll think about how fun of a season this was. Now they're going to NIT, and my mindset is, win this thing. Yeah, and because I, I'm not saying they're a favorite to win it. No, but they can. They because, can get to. They can get to MSG because the most talented teams in in the NIT don't want to be there. Don't want to be there. They well, feel like their they, season is done and they're but, disappointed. But I'm going to flip that on you. This NKU team, though, coming off the NCAA tournament appearance, coming off the season, really, when there's not a lot of great teams in the Horizon League, where you you had a you had a real good chance to win this. It's a punch in the gut, and I think it's still going to be hard to come back from that. Sure, but this is still something the program's never even done Agreed. before. Agreed. It's not like this is the consolation prize at NKU. This is something you've never see, been to or won. I, I agree, but I think I think that's what it feels like now. And as much as I've talked it up of what they've done, and, and it's cool to be in the NIT, and I do think it is. I think it says a lot that your first two years, you went to the tournament, you won your league, that guaranteed you at least a spot in the NIT, you're going to get a chance to play some teams from major, from major conferences, but just that, it just feels like a it does. It feels like you just got hit in the gut, and now it does feel like a consolation prize. Probably not fair, but it, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's it sucks for certain. I mean, the again, losing the Cleveland State in the first round sucks worse than, I think, not winning the entire tournament. Right. Because you understand it's a one-game, winner-takes-all scenario. Anything can happen, and you're not always going to win in that situation. So I, it's frustrating. It, it's upsetting. But at the same time, I do think... You might get to host a home game in the NIT, yeah, and then you are legitimately a team that can make a run and, and do something and make some noise, and that's pretty exciting. I mean, the opportunity to to go play at MSG would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to get on to the number one, the final number one seed because I, I think three of them are now locked: Virginia, uh, Xavier, and, and Villanova. Who's the fourth number one seed? Who can you even make a case for? Duke, if Kansas. Kansas just lost at Oklahoma State. But I still think their resume is still. If they go to the Big Twelve Finals, I think they're still probably I, yeah, the I the fourth it. one seed. They've got the best. Re- and is it Auburn? No, not even if they win the SEC championship. And I don't. I don't think they're going to do that either. I don't either. But like, who else besides Kansas I, I, is it? Duke, I guess, is the only other one. But that, that, I think that's my point. Is I mean, I think the, 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 there's no way any of the other three. I mean, Xavier's not falling off the one line now. I mean, I've they, been they saying that job. for three weeks. Yeah, I know, I know. And Virginia's obviously not falling off the one line, thanks to banking in a three. And plus, there's plus the chairman of the committee is from Creighton. The Big East is getting two number one seeds. Fixes in. Well, well, it's not a fix. It's well, what happens in the room, I, or the fact that that they are th- the three. Three, yeah. three best teams in the country. And for them not to be both number one seeds, something goofy would have to happen. And I don't something think, goofy's not happening when not. one of your guys is the chairman. Well, and and there's nobody from the bottom of that, from that two-seed line that keeps playing its way up. And it feels like every time there's a team that's the fourth one seed, they find a way to play their way off of it. Yeah. It's, it's Duke or Kansas, and either one of them could do something kind of silly in their conference tournament to, to knock them out of that spot. Right, but then, so, who, but then who ascends, I guess? It, that's, that's well, the thing. It's one of those two. Yeah. Whichever one does better in their conference tournament probably is the one who who uh, gets, gets that fourth get, number gets, one seed. Gets the fourth number one seed. So Xavier, as of right now, would be what? The second one? 
I think so. I think they're probably ahead of Villanova now. Yeah. It depends on how they treat the injuries for Villanova that we just talked about because when they do look at it, Villanova did beat Xavier handily twice. Correct. The resumes are pretty close. Pretty similar. Pretty similar. And then you can look at Nova and say Phil Booth was out for these games or you know they they were missing this for this game or or whatever. So there's a little at least a little bit of wiggle room. I would probably go Xavier, but I wouldn't be shocked cuz I think it's razor thin between Villanova and Xavier. Like I I I don't think there's maybe, much maybe, separation at all. Maybe the Big East tournament separates that. It might. Well, I, I think the Big East tournament will have a big factor in who's the higher seed between Xavier and Villanova. And because either of those teams could go out early. Um, but both of them have a good shot of getting to the finals. Yeah, right. So, right, right. So there we go. All right, you got a final take, Chad Brendel? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's what we've been talking about all year, and I, and I've told people to enjoy this year for what it is, and enjoy it as it's happening. And now we have two, you know, outright conference champions, and Xavier winning the Big East for the first time, and then Cincinnati going into a place. That is nearly impossible. The last 75 games in the roundhouse, that's only the third time Wichita State has lost. So to go in in that environment, in that situation, against a team that had beat you at your place and ended your 39-game home winning streak, and, and, and they claim a title, Xavier's able to hang on against DePaul and, and got you know a game that they, they didn't shoot. Like Rick said, they didn't shoot well. They, they turned it over too much. They didn't play well. But they didn't lose that game. Because if, if they lose that game... It takes a lot of luster off of being Big East champions because now you're tied with Villanova, who beat you twice, and you had a chance to win it, but you couldn't beat DePaul. Right. And that I think perception-wise, it was huge for them to be able to find a way to hang on and win that game and, and escape without having that kind of cloud over winning your, your first Big East championship. I don't know if you agree or not, but... No, I agree. You had kind of a... a, a uh, neither, he's, neither. He, no, he's he's still. I know he's still. He's still. He's still, he's still, he's still an NKU hell. Right I, I know. Now. I'll be honest. I wasn't actually listening. I was thinking about what I was going to say. Okay. I was trying to form. All right. But I and then you have you know, yeah, NKU. Unfortunately, their their NCAA tournament hopes are alive, but they won an outright conference title. So you have in this tiny little radius of ten miles or whatever, three teams that that won outright conference championships, and um, it, it's been fantastic getting to this point in March. Now we go through next week. Rick's going to go to to New York City and uh, assault his liver for a couple days, <laughs> and then we get Selection Sunday. We're one week from Selection That's Sunday. Right. One week from Selection Sunday. About this time next week, we'll be watching the show. So I hope everyone enjoyed it because it, you, if you spend too much time freaking out and and screaming at people and you know expressing your anger, sometimes you don't get to to sit back and. The Zen Master. Listen to the Zen Master. Well, you know what's going to happen is next year both teams are going to dip because they're losing sure. great senior classes and people are going to be losing their freaking mind. I'm going to say, you know what? You should have enjoyed last year a little bit more because it was awesome. All right. Well said. How about you, Rick Boring? What do you got for a final take? You got something circulating in your mind. Rick Carter, former Xavier assistant, tweeted something today when the Big East awards came out. And it, it kind of – I thought it was at least interesting. We talk about Gary Clark, you know, Probably should be the player of the year in the American. I think now he has to be because they they won the the, t- the title outright by two games. I think he is. Yes. You would think, um, but the fact that it's as up for debate as it is, and the reason he would be overlooked is strictly because of scoring number. Yeah. I mean, basically scoring because he doesn't put up eighteen points a game. Right, 
And J.P. Makira took a major backseat offensively this year, went from being like a 15-point game a guy, and we thought he might even raise that number right. this year, to, hey, we've got enough talent for us to play at our optimum level. I don't need to take 10 shots a game. I can take way less than that even, and this team will be at its best. So he averages only 12 points this year. He doesn't get named to the first team or second team all Big East. Now, the Big East is really good, and there are a lot of guys, and I don't have like a huge problem with him not making his list. He also didn't get either of the honorable mention spots. They, they listed two right. honorable mention. I don't have a big issue with it, but I do think Rick Carter brought up an interesting point of what messages the coaches vote for those awards. What messages are the coaches sending to their players when every year they continue to vote for the guys who score the most over the guys who are willing to sacrifice for the team that you probably as a coach believe that guy is one of the best I guys that guy league. on my team yeah if we're drafting I'm taking that guy right and it's the same thing with Gary Clark yeah. that we always talk about that it's like he could maybe not even win player of the year in the AAC strictly because oh there's someone on South Florida that's going to average 21 points a game or whatever because Rob Gray is going to put up 19 and a half points a game yeah and it's like but their team is going to suffer and not be nearly as good because Gary is giving UC so much more and doing so many other things and I think and there's he's legitimately sacrificing his own scoring output to make the team better same as JP did this year and again it's not it's this isn't as much of an argument of oh JP got screwed and he absolutely should yeah, be in there I, but I do think Rick Carter's point about coaches uh, really valuing they talk all the time about do all those small things sacrifice sure. for your team be a team guy make us better but, but then they, then they vote for the guy it. who scores yeah. the most they, I, no I, no that, and, and and honestly i, I think good if, point rick carter and i think if you, if you were to look at the names you'd go who do you who would you put jp does rodriguez would be the guy i'd pull off i'm wondering then you know maybe maybe leagues you have a first team second team whatever ronald mentions you always have a you know the player of the year coach of the year a lot of conferences have six man of the year have an unsung player of the year we've got the fran dunphy coaching award in in the in the the J.P. McCure Unsung Hero Award from now on in the Big East. Fair enough. All right? I like that. I, I'm, I'm good Who with that. Who was Coach of the Year? Are you okay with it? Well, they haven't done that yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when they when they announce that, that'll that'll be interesting because as as we've been shown in the past, Chris Mack does not seem to get uh, a lot of love from his fellow Big East coaches. So, uh, it will be interesting because I'm, sure, I'm not sure I vote for Jay Wright either, though. Right. There is no other option this year other than yeah, Chris Mack. So right, if you don't vote right. for Chris Mack, it's going to be pretty funny. Like it has to be. There has to be something else. Was there. Creighton picked fourth? Might have been even lower than that. Yeah, it may have been even lower. That, that's I think, a possibility. I think Providence too. was fourth. Yeah, that's a possibility. Dermot. But yeah, Chris Max, Chris Max, the, the guy, without question. Chris Max is the guy, without question. All right, we are not doing a midweek podcast this week just because Rick's going out of town and because conference tournament starts and he just gets so fluid. I've got so spring probably, practice starting. And you for, got spring for football UC practice football. starting. So just for uh, the record, I never brought up not doing a podcast. I, I was going this to be here on Wednesday this is my, this is doing my, a podcast. This is my thing. Um, but we will be back on Selection Sunday during the Selection Show. We're going to do Facebook Live again. The three of us, because we were shocked at last year, but th this year will be interesting too. So we're going to do Facebook Live during the selection show. We will be back uh, that night to do a, 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 a just a kind of a quick hitter on the on the selections themselves, and then before the tournament on Wednesday, we will have probably a more in depth look at the matchups for everybody that, that that's in the tournament. So there we go. Can't wait. Can't, Can't wait. wait. So one week from today. All right, boys. Appreciate it very much for Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. Who got out with the people today, and somehow the people survived. I'm a man of the people. Rick Broering, who somehow the sun did come up this morning, I believe. Maybe not. The sun will come up. I'm Richard Skinner. Also, my hand still hurts a little bit. I'll bet it does. What, what did you punch? I slapped a desk. Yeah. Downstairs, did they look at you like you were crazy? Why are you trying to get me fired? I, 
Well, I mean, you didn't punt like you. Yeah, you didn't hit a toward. I know. I know. Desk is in a big. No, game. I, I, I kept my cool. There's, a, there's somebody work. down there named Desk, <laughs> <laughs> and he hit him. Yeah, that's what we call Dwayne Pullman. Exactly. <laughs> and he deserves it on occasion. He's had a gun to his head, so he it has, didn't yeah. bother him. Yeah, yeah, smacking him. Smack him is nothing. You got a gun to your head for goodness sakes. Yeah. All right, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.